I remember years ago when I was a teenager, my dad had this nifty idea. He was going to get us up all early and go on a road trip. And um, if you got teenagers and you try and get them up early, you know that that is often a recipe for disaster. And so my dad's um, solution to that problem was to send my nine-year-old stepsister to wake us up. So there, uh, myself and my stepbrother are sleeping, sound asleep, long past the break of dawn or pre-dawn hours that he wanted to get us up and on the road. So he sends her down. She walks into the room, flips on the light, and starts screaming, time to get up, time to get up, time to get up. We just rolled over. Uh, I'm pretty sure we called her some names, uh, threatened her, and uh, threw pillows at her, but that didn't deter her at all. She then proceeded to pick up a mag light flashlight and, and shine it about six inches in front of our faces, screaming, you have to get up, you have to get up. Um, so uh, after that, I know we came up with some other names for her as well, which I will not share here at church. But here's the point. What we wanted to do was turn the light back off, roll back over, and go to sleep. But that wasn't an option, so we dragged our sorry selves out of bed and went on the day and did what we were supposed to do. But the point is, no one that I know really likes uh, when you have that shocking moment of being in dark and you have the light shine in your face. If you were here with us last week, we started this whole series called uh, Light of the World, and we talked about the fact that the world, before Jesus was born, was in darkness. The prophet Isaiah wrote some 700 years before Jesus that the world was in darkness. When Jesus was born some 2,000 years ago, the world was in darkness. And in many ways, as we talked about last week, the world is still in darkness. And the reason is because of sin, because we do things that are selfish and self-centered, that wound others, that wounds ourselves, and that damages our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. As a matter of fact, this is what Isaiah wrote of the coming of Jesus before his time. Darkness covers the earth and deep darkness covers the people. There's this darkness and into that darkness, Jesus was born. Jesus was born to be not a glimmer of light, but to be an everlasting light, a light so bright that the darkness wouldn't overcome it, a light so bright that if we will walk in his light, we would never need to walk in darkness. Because as we learned last week, the world is a dark place but we don't need to walk in darkness. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus says, I want you to understand that in the midst of a dark, dark world, because of people's own choices and decisions, the way they treat you the way they treat themselves, the choices you make and the choices other people make. This world is dark, but you don't need to walk in darkness. You can walk in light. So I want to unpack this statement that Jesus makes. I am the light of the world. What does he mean by that? What does he mean by you will never need to walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life? What does he mean by those things? Part of it, and the first part I want to touch on is this. It means that when Jesus was born, God's light began to shine on us. There was darkness, but you don't need to walk in darkness. There's a light that's going to shine, an everlasting, unending light that will bring 
understanding and illumination to your eyes. So what I want to do is touch on a few things that light does, spiritual light, but we also see this in the natural world. But what are some things that light does? We're only going to touch on three of them. Uh, there's, there's more, but um, I want to touch on three things that light does. The first is this. It's found in Psalm 36. For with you, speaking of God, for with you is the fountain of life. And in your light, we see light. Now, that may sound a little confusing. In your light, we see light. Um, what does he mean by that? Let me give you an, an illustration. It may not be perfect, but it's the best I could come up with with my limited mental capacity. So have you ever been outside on a bright day and the sun's shining and then you pull out your cell phone or your tablet and you're going to look at something and you really can't see it very well? What do we do? It's not a trick question. What do we do? Turn up the brightness. Yes, you turn up the brightness. If we turn up the brightness, maybe we could see it better. So here's the point that the psalmist is making, that in, in life, there is light, and, and it affects our eyes, but if we want to see the true light, the light of God's love, the light of God's truth, we need to turn up the brightness. And when Jesus shines on us, his light turns up the brightness. So here's the first thing light does. Light allows us to see. You can't see very well in the dark, but if you want to see and see the truth of who God is, the truth of how he asks us to live, the truth of what he says, this is the best way to order your life. We have to see it in the light of God's truth. As I said last week, and I mentioned earlier, throughout human history, even those outside the faith have these glimmers of hope, these glimmers of light, these glimmers of this is a noble thing, but there's nothing lasting about it. They come, they flash for a moment, and they fade off the scene. The only lasting light, the only eternal truth is the light of God revealed through Jesus Christ and told to us through his word, the Bible. So what we need to understand is that if we want to walk in the light of God's truth, if we want to see the best path to follow, the best way to live, the best way to order our lives, we need to walk in the light of God's truth. So let me give you an example. Um, let's say... Um, where do we, let's ask this question. Where do we get the idea that hurting someone, mistreating someone else is wrong? It doesn't matter the conduct. It could be bullying. It could be gossiping about them, lying, stealing from them, cheating them, hurting them in some way, physically, emotionally, relationally. Where do we get the idea that, that that's wrong? That, that somehow damaging someone is not right just because they're different than us because... We don't like them. We don't like the way they look. We don't like the way they behave uh, because we're in a position of power. We're bigger than them. We're stronger than them. We just don't like them or it's just something we want to do because we feel like doing it. Where do we get the idea that that's wrong? It's only found in the truth of the light of who Jesus is. You say, well, other societies have said that's wrong, but they will always make exceptions. It's wrong to treat someone bad and hurt them unless... And there's these caveats. But with God, he says, treat others the way you want to be treated. Jesus says, put others' needs before yourself. Where do we get the idea that, um, that uh, sacrificing, sacrificing yourself for someone else is, is virtuous and noble? That um, faithfulness in a relationship is somehow something to be aspired to. 
that being honest, compassionate, forgiving, kind are things that we ought to applaud. Where does that come from? It comes from the light of God's truth shining. It's revealed to us in the person of Jesus. Have you ever heard the saying, the best and the brightest that humanity has to offer? Well, the best and the brightest that humanity has to offer is found in the person of Jesus. And we, when we walk in his light, when we can see the best way to go, the best way to live, all of a sudden, life begins to make sense. It's richer, it's fuller, it's more meaningful. And the things that we aspire to as people, as humanity, as human beings, aren't just meant to be these brief glimmers of hope. They're meant to be the light in which we walk. So light helps us to see. Then we read this in John chapter three. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, meaning Jesus. But people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light. And then he tells us why they won't come into the light. For fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So what that's telling us is that um, Jesus is born. His light shines on us. We begin to see the way we want to go, but some people don't like that. They don't uh, want to embrace that light. And the reason is this. Light reveals things. Light shows us some things. Things that were hidden in the darkness because of the darkness around us, and things that we hid in the darkness because of the darkness inside of us. There are things that I don't want to acknowledge, I don't want to admit, I don't want anyone to know about that I do, that I think, that I, I wrestle with. And it's the same for all of us. We have these dark places. And when light shines, it begins to shine that light. on. It's like me and my brother. Nobody likes that, sh that light shining right in their face because we're embarrassed by it. It's, it brings conviction makes us uncomfortable. I, I'd rather deal with the darkness in other people and show, shine the light on them, not shine the light on me. But light, by nature, reveals things. It makes us own some things. It makes us say, am I the person that God wants me to be? So not only does it reveal uh, things in our lives, not only does light help us to see, but then the whole point is that it helps us to grow, to change, to be different. We take ownership of it. That's, that's the point of light, that it reveals those things, even if it's uncomfortable, even if we don't like it. One of the attributes of light, we're not going to get into it, is that it, it, it's, it's, um, it acts as um, a sanitizer, a disinfectant. It, it cleans things, right? If you've got mold, you've got spores like that, and light shines on it, it destroys those things. When there's dark places in our lives and the light shines, it destroys those things. That's the purpose in the nature of light. Jesus says this, nothing hidden, there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing is secret that will not be made known. So then whether, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. But that's the point of light. It re reveals those things. So it helps us to see it reveals things, but it doesn't just reveal it so that God says, now, see how terrible you are? That's not God. That may be your first grade teacher, um, but it's not God. God says, I, I don't want to just point out the areas in your life that are dark. I want to change you. So not only does light help us to see and reveal things, but then there's this last part. This is what it says of Jesus. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. In him was, 
You can't have life without light. But once something has light and it's alive and it's growing and it's flourishing, if it's alive, it's growing, it's changing, it's constantly um, adapting to the surroundings around it, right? You got a a fruit tree and it's bearing fruit. It's, It's never just static. It's always dynamic. It's growing. The roots are going deeper. Sap's running through the trunk, into the limbs, the branches, leaves form, blossoms, fruit. You cultivate that, you prune it, all those kind of things. It's always changing. And it's the same way with us. When we stand in the light, God says, I want you to see the right way to go. Then I want to reveal the areas to you where you're struggling, but I'm not leaving you there. By my grace, I'm going to help you change. See, light brings life and growth. God says, this is where we get it wrong as followers of Jesus so often. We come to God. We say it's by faith, right? I come to God with faith, through grace. I just believe. By God's grace, I believe. And we say, now I can do it. But now that's on your own strength. God says, I'm going to shine my light in you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to reveal some things. And then my light's going to shine in those areas. And by my grace, I am going to give you the grace, the power, and the ability to change. It's not your effort. I've used this illustration before, but imagine if someone says to you, uh, they bring you to a a, 80-story skyscraper, and they say, on the outside, you have to scale this building and get to the top. And you say, I can do it. I can do it. And you get whatever gear, and you're really like me, and you get about three feet off the ground, and you slide down. You say, I can do it. You get four feet off the ground, you slide down. Some of you are, are great athletes. You're like John Klukas. And, um, <laughs> and yes. <laughs> and, and you train for this. This is your moment. It's, uh, you know, and you get up five stories, 10 stories, but no matter how hard you try, you slide back down. You can't ever make it all the way up to the top. And then God comes into your life and he says, grace by faith. And he says, come on in. And all of a sudden you walk in and then we say, oh, now I can make it to the top. Now I can do it. And we start walking up the stairs because we think it's our strength and our ability and our effort. And we get halfway up and we go, I'm exhausted. And we sit down and we say, this is too many flights of stairs for me because we missed the point. The point isn't that we got inside, now we can walk up the stairs instead of trying to scale the side of the building. The point is there's this thing called an elevator. And we push the button and we step in. And you know who does all the work? God. His Holy Spirit provides the power the strength, the ability to lift us to where we need to go. That's why the scriptures say it's not by might nor power, but by the spirit of the living God. If we want to see real growth in life and change in our hearts, God's light shines to show us the way. It shines to reveal those things where we need to change, where we're stumbling, where we're making mistakes. And then his light shines to provide the growth and the power for life and change. And that is his grace. So if that's true, then why doesn't everybody just say, give me the light? I mean, this is fantastic. Why doesn't everyone just step into the light? Well, there's a reason, and here it is. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. We talked about last week that the world's in darkness, people are in darkness, but listen to me, people in darkness are trying 
They're trying to figure out the best way to do this. They're just, they're just not seeing because they don't have the light, but their effort is there. Why can't they see? Because our spiritual enemy has blinded them to it. Now, there's two ways that that can happen. He could put a veil in front of their eyes so they can't see, but the other way is he can just fill their eyes with so much stuff. It's so bright. You ever been out shoveling snow? And we don't really get snow in Delaware, but I've lived in snowy places. And it's a, it snows and you get, a, you know, 8, eight 12, 15 inches of snow. And then the next day it's bright and sunny. And you go out and you're shoveling that snow. And you can get snow blindness, right? Because it's so that sun is just right off the snow into your eyes. And you go inside and you can't see anything. It's not because you're in the dark. It's because you're in the light. You just weren't in the right light. And so sometimes the enemy can blind us by filling our eyes with so much stuff that we don't see the truth of who God is. And the only way to really get out of the darkness is to be in the light, the light of Jesus Christ, his light shining in our hearts, in our spirits, in our souls, in our minds, not in our eyes, but inside of us. When that happens, we see Jesus fully. This is what Paul goes on to write. He says, for God said, let darkness, let light shine out of darkness. For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. In other words, you can't get out of the darkness until you see the light of God in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Everything else is human effort, and it's good. It's, 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 it's better than not trying, but we'll never get there. It will always, 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 always fall short. So here's this, this darkness I'm trying to be led out of it. And God says, I'm going to shine my light on you so that you can see. I'm going to shine my light on you to reveal some things. And I'm going to shine my light on you so that you can grow and change and have life. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who walks in the light never needs to walk in the darkness. And it's a great truth. But Jesus goes on and he makes another statement, a very provocative statement. See, it's great to say Jesus is the light of the world. Everyone needs the light of Jesus, and that's true. But Jesus also said this. He said, not only am I the light of the world, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to who? Everyone. It gives light to everyone, not to some, not to those we like, not to those whose lifestyle we agree with, not to those that we think act the way they should act and behave the way they should behave and vote the way they should vote and have the political affiliation they should have. No, he said your light ought to shine in such a way that it impacts everyone who lives in that house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, when Jesus was born, God's light began to shine on us. But here's this next amazing truth. When the church was born, God's light began to shine through us. See, Jesus said, I'm going to shine on you to show you the way to reveal some things and to give you life and change, uh, to change your life. And now I want that same light that is shining on you to shine through you by the way you treat others. Be a light of compassion, of kindness, of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness. Opening your heart and your home to people. Constantly being someone who is generous with your stuff. Let your light shine in such a way that people will see it and say there is something 
about them. And it compels them. It entices them to step out of the darkness and into the light. So be the light that God asks you to be. Shine the light. Keep on shining. But here's the thing. When you have generation after generation after generation after generation of people who have lived in darkness, they don't always like the light. They don't always embrace the light, just like me and my brother, right? The light starts shining, and we start howling, yelling, screaming, throwing stuff, insulting, calling names, and saying, get out. I don't want anything to do with this. I want to stay in the darkness. There are times when people will respond to your good deeds the same way. This is what Peter wrote. He says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Even, even, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Listen to me. That is so important, gentleness and respect. Shining your light isn't meant to be harsh and abrasive. You read those posts on social media. You see people, I'm just shining my light for Jesus. If you don't like it, that's too bad. I don't think that's gentleness. That's not compassionate. That's not out of respect. That's harsh. That's critical. That's abrasive. That's putting a mag light six inches in front of somebody's eyes, prying their eyes open and saying, you don't like that? I mean, yeah, come from follow Jesus. This is great. They're going like blind. Oh, follow Jesus. This is insane. But that's how some of us come across. But it says, do it with gentleness and respect. Why? So that you can keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. In other words, if you do it out of gentleness and respect, even if they're maligning you, even if they're accusing you of things, even if they're calling you names and threatening you and all those kind of things, they can't really, they can't really um, fault you for the things that you're doing because what you're doing are good, kind, gracious, compassionate acts, walking in the light of Jesus' love. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So what does all that mean? It means keep on being in the light. They're threatening you. They're calling you names. They're, they're, they're hurling insults at you. Keep on being the light. No matter what it costs you, keep on being the light because people need to see the way to go. They need to see some things in their lives that aren't working, and they need to realize they can't change, but by God's grace, he can change them. So keep on being the light no matter what it costs you, no matter what they say, no matter the effort, no matter the time. Just keep on being the light because you will be blessed if you do that. You will inherit a blessing. I hear people all the time, I want to walk in God's blessing. Then be the light God called you to be no matter what it costs you. So we are as Christians called to shine the light of God through our lives. We are the light of the world. What would it look like if we began to actually shine our light? What could God do through us if we allowed our light to shine? Within, I, it's easy to get caught up in you know, the, the whole world 
And that seems big in all the geopolitical mess that we find ourselves in and go, how do I be a light in that darkness? But don't think in those terms. Think about here, in this community, in our place, Southern Kent County, Sussex County, the Delmarva area. How do we shine a light there? How do we let our good deeds be seen in such a way that people, even if they malign us, will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven? The early Christians, they would walk around and they would see a need and they'd say, we have to meet that need. So um, they saw women trapped, uh, trapped and men trapped in prostitution. They didn't just say, don't live like that. That's terrible. God does, that doesn't honor God. That's the light of God's truth. No, they said, come live with us. We're going to make a place for you. We're going to build a, a space for you. We're going to provide for you. We will receive offerings and we will use that in order to help pay for you to survive because the only way you had to survive was being a prostitute, a temple prostitute, or a common street whore. It didn't matter. That was the only way you had to live. And if you don't want to live like that and you want to walk in the light of God's truth, then the light of God's truth is going to shine goodness in there through this church. Or they would see uh, children's sacrifices happening. And when Rome began to outlaw child sacrifices, there were just children abandoned along the streets. It was horrible. Infants, two, three, four-year-olds just abandoned. And they didn't just say, take care of your children. That doesn't honor God. No, the earliest orphanages and the homes that were created for abandoned boys and girls were started by the earliest Christians. When they saw, when early Christians saw people that were sick, they didn't say just have more faith and get better. They built hospitals. Most of the longest running hospitals, the oldest hospitals in, that, that we know of, most of them were started by Christians, the early Christians. And so what, what, what does good deeds look like in our context here? So we've, as a leadership team, talked about it, prayed about it. I've shared this at different times with you all, but I just want to let you know that we've looked at our local context and what the Bible teaches us to do. Uh, we want to create a, a discipleship program that helps to fulfill what uh, the writer of Third uh, John said. And this is what he wrote. He said, I pray that in all respects, you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So we want to start a discipleship program that helps people find success and blessing in every aspect of their life. Spiritually, of course, vocationally, relationally, financially, uh, emotionally, practically, practical life skills so that someone who goes through this discipleship program, when they come through it on the backside, they will, as Paul wrote to Timothy, be equipped for every good work so that they go through and they learn how to uh, deal with the emotional wounds that they've had. They get uh, help with their marriage and parenting skills. They get help with financial, uh, how to handle their finances, practical life skills, how to do basic home repairs and, and stuff with their vehicles. Um, how, to, how to read the Bible, how to serve others, how to be generous with their stuff. So it's a, prog a program we want to start. And the foundation of that, uh, of that program, now obviously the foundation is, is the Bible, it's God, but uh, the foundational piece of that program is if someone is in that program, we want to uh, make available to them affordable housing, nice new home, one, two, three bedroom home, that would probably rent for somewhere in this 
current uh, economic reality of $1,500, $2,000 a month, and we'll rent it. Part of what they, they, we won't rent it to them. To be part of the program, it will cost them about uh, $300, $400 a month. And that will include an affordable home, but it will also teach them all those other discipleship components so that when they walk through it and they're done, they have grown. That so the whole idea is that the light of God is shining in their lives, on their lives through us, so that they're seeing the right way to go. It's revealing those areas in their life where they need to deal with some stuff. And it's allowing God's light to bring life and change and growth. So to me, that is one of the most exciting things we could do because it will radically change a marriage, a family, a single parent home. And if you change them, it will change not only the course of their life, but it will impact countless other people. And so as a leadership team, we've talked about this, prayed about this, and said, this is what we want to do. We want to help people prosper in every possible way. And so here at Hickory Ridge, every year, we only receive one special offering. We don't do a lot of special offerings throughout the year. We receive our normal offering on Sundays, and you all are so, so very generous, and it allows us to do so much of what we do here. You see us doing a renovation outside and all that. That's because of your generosity. But one time a year, we receive a special offering, and that's our Christmas offering. And we always designate what that's going to go to, and this year, 100% of it is going to go to help kickstart this discipleship program. Our hope is that we will either uh, be able to uh, acquire a piece of property where we could possibly build five, six of these homes in a single location, or we'll start by just building one here. We can't build more than one, maybe two on this property, but it would kind of be our our incubator, our test one, uh, kind of like, hey, let's work out some kinks. So we're we're just continuing to pray. If God brings a piece of land, then we'll acquire that. If we start with a home, that's great. Um, but that's our heart to eventually have you know, six, seven, eight, ten of these. Have someone who's, who's managing them, running them, uh, overseeing all of that discipleship component. It's a lot of moving parts. But it starts with getting the homes built. It starts with acquiring that piece of land. And so I asked the leadership team uh, here, what would you commit to giving this Christmas offering to this? Pray about it, think about it. I asked them about a month ago and They all got back to me. And so the leadership team representing 10 families has committed to give $9,400. And that is such an amazing thing. And so what I'm asking you is, do you want to be part of a program that helps to radically transform and change families like that? If you do, then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Pray this week. Write down a number. Say, this is how much I'm going to give and come prepared to give that next week at our Christmas offering. You could give it physically, you could give it online, but say, that's something I want to be a part of because what could we accomplish if we together began to shine our light? I believe we could do something amazing. Some of you might know of a piece of land, have a piece of land. You say, I'll make this land available. You may have access to huge uh, financial uh, networks and resources. And you say, I know people that would give to this wonderful But what are you going to give? Let's start with what God places on your heart to give. And then what can we do together to shine that light? But regardless of what you give 
to the Christmas offering this year, here's what I want to encourage you. Here's what Jesus said. You are, you are, you are the light of the world. So what I want you to walk away with today is this, to remember, be the light, be the light, be the light, be the light. Be the light everywhere you go so that people can see where to go, see what's right, what's true, what's good, what's holy. Be the light that shines so that people can be aware of areas in their life where they're struggling. And be the light where you go so that life and growth and change happen. Be the light because people are in darkness and they're desperately needing the hope that comes through the light of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would stir in our hearts to be the light. It's not anyone else's job. It's our job. It's my job. It's what you've called me to do. But that's true of each of us here. It's what you've called us to do individually and corporately, to be the light, to be the light, to be the light. So God, I'm praying that we would be the light of the world this Christmas. God, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our marriages, in our places of work, in our classrooms, on the bus, when we're shopping at the store, when we're driving down the street, God, let us be the light. Let us be the light. Let us be the light. I'm just going to challenge you. In just a few moments, we're going to sing a couple more songs that celebrate who God is. But if you would say, I have not really been the light that God's called me to be. I've kind of stood on the sidelines. I've not been the light, and I'm tired of standing on the sidelines, living in the shadows, putting on a mask, acting spiritual, pretending everything's okay. But I haven't really stepped out into the light because when the light shines, I get uncomfortable and I run for the hills. But you would say, I want to step into, I want to step into, I want to step into his light. I want to step fully out of the darkness and into his marvelous, life-changing, life-giving light that helps me to see, that reveals things to me, that shows me the way. If that's you this morning, you may be a Christian, you may just be checking out the things of God, but if you say, I'm tired of living in the shadows, I want to step into the light. As we sing these songs, I'm going to invite you to come forward and just do business with God. Somebody can pray with you. If you don't want someone to pray with you, just kind of get up in the center, come along the front of the, uh, the altar and just, just do business with God. Say, I want to be the light. If you'd stand with me, if you would say, I want to be that light this morning, as we, as we sing these songs, don't just shake it off. Don't say, uh, I'll be the light next week. I'll be the light In 2023, it'll be my New Year's resolution. When we sing these songs and you say, I want to be that light, then here today, take that step of faith. Step out and say, God, here today, I want to be that light. Let's worship the Lord together.